Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi guys, welcome to Sandals Church. We're in a series called Healer. Man, we got a packed house today. I wanna welcome everybody here. I wanna welcome everybody watching from a campus or from home. Man, we need healing. And we need to understand that the healer's name is Jesus. So we're gonna do something a little bit different today. I think so many of us focus most of our lives on why didn't God heal? And we sit there. But many of us have never asked this question. Why does God ever heal? <laughs> why, why, why does God intervene into the natural consequences of being a sinner, of being a human being, of being a part of this world? Why does God ever intervene into the way things are? And, and, and why does he do that? And we're gonna unpack that today. So here's the first note I want you to put in your minds. Why does God heal? Why should I pray? Why should I ask? Why should I come to church? Why should I come back to church? because you need to know something about God. God heals, listen to this, because he is a healer. That's who he is. It's how he self-defines. I don't know how you define yourself. As human beings, we define ourselves by race, by gender, by political party. When God says, this is who I am, he says, I'm a healer. And why is that? Because we're broken. Like we're broken, we're hurting, and we need God. So in Exodus chapter 15, the people of Israel are learning who God is. And so many of you, when, when you read the Bible, you look at the Old Testament, you go, oh my gosh, why were these people doing such whack things? Here's the answer. They don't know God and they didn't have the scriptures about God that you do. So why are you doing such whack things? <laughs> you have more information than they did and you're worse. So in Exodus 15, 26, remember the people of Israel, now here's the truth. They're more Egyptian than they are Hebrew at this point. They've been in Egypt for 400 years, right? I mean, they, 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 they've forgotten what it means to be Hebrew. Like so many of you guys, you know, some of my, my, my non-white friends, my, oh, tell me about this ethnic food. They're like, man, I'm whiter than you, right? I mean, I don't know. I was raised here, bro. Hot dogs, hamburgers, you know? That's how I was raised. And so just so you know, that, that's where the Hebrews are. They're not Hebrew. They're Egyptian. And so they gotta learn about the one true God and they've gotta put the Egyptian gods out of their mind. And so God says this. He says, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. Now some of you are like, wait, wait. God puts you know, <laughs> diseases on people? Yup, keep sinning. It's coming to a theater near you, okay? I don't know, I feel like there's a single guy out there that needed to hear that. Pray about it. <laughs> it's coming to a theater near you. Yeah, I, th I think our single guy population just went whoop. <laughs> but here's the thing. The Lord put disease after disease after disease on Egypt because Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. And so here's what God says. I'm not gonna do that to you. Don't judge me because of Pharaoh's sin. He said, I'm punishing him. He says, I wanna bless you. I'm not gonna put these diseases on you. Why? For I am the Lord. Listen to this, your healer. That's who God is. 
I'm the Lord, your healer. Now we're gonna talk about specifically what those words mean. But in Psalms 147.3, it says this, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. How many of you today are brokenhearted? God just doesn't wanna heal cancer. He heals broken hearts. He heals wounded hearts. He heals depression, anxiety. He heals these things because of who he is. Your problem is not greater than who he is. He is greater than your problem. So when he says, I'm the Lord, your God, your healer, in the Hebrew scripture, this is how it sounds, Jehovah Rapha. And you're like, I thought it was Jehovah Jireh. No, no, no. Okay, that's not, that's not who it is. It's Jehovah. There's no Jah in Hebrew. It's just Yah. The Germans gave us the Jah. It's just their fault. <laughs> it's Jehovah Rapha. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you go to the doctors in Hebrew today as a little Hebrew boy or Hebrew girl, you will go to the Rofa. It's spelled the same way they just changed the vowel from ah to o. Thousands of years ago, you went to God as your doctor. You didn't want to go to doctors thousands of years ago because they'd probably just kill you. Isn't it interesting that to this day in Israel, when you go to the doctor's office, you go to the healer. It's the same name for God. I am the Lord, your God. So when you see the word healing in your Hebrew Bible, that's the first section, the Old Testament, the word healer is usually translated Rapha, the one who heals. So that's who God is. That's why we want to come to the Lord. Isaiah 53, four says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Listen, this is Isaiah prophesying about the coming Messiah. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. That word healed, Rapha. You see, Jewish people call God Jehovah Rapha. As Christians, we call him Jesus. That's who it is. Jesus heals because God is a healer. And he has come not just to take away your sins, but he has come to bring healing to your soul, healing to your life, healing to your marriage, healing to your finances. You see, so many people today, you're afraid to talk to your friends about Jesus. You're afraid to invite your friends to church. Some of you are ashamed to call yourself Christians. Let me tell you why your friends need Jesus. Let me tell you why Jews need Jesus. Let me tell you why Muslims need Jesus. Let me tell you why atheists need Jesus. Because Jesus is a good doctor. And he knows what it means to suffer. Years ago, I went to the doctor's office for, I, I don't even know what was wrong. I can't, I can't remember what was wrong, but the experience was so powerful, I will never forget it for the rest of my life. You ever been to a doctor's office and you feel like he or she didn't even hear you? I've, I've been in doctor's visits where I, I don't even feel like, you know, they knew why I was there after they left. I've had to go to the doctor's office with my adult kids. You, you want to talk about awkward? Be a 20-year-old woman and your dad is in the doctor's office. I was like, we're going to talk because this problem is going to get fixed. Okay? 
Sometimes doctors don't listen. Why is it they're human beings? But a couple years ago, I went to the doctor's office. I can't remember what it was for, but I'll never forget when the doctor walked in. He had either had a stroke or he was born with some kind of disease that, that, that paralyzed one half of his body. One arm didn't work and one leg didn't work. And he walked in, he struggled to get through the door, the heavy doors at the hospital. He struggled to get through the doors to get to me. He said, why am I seeing you today? I'll never forget. I don't remember what my problem was, but I remember his response to my problem. I said, whatever was wrong, I'll never forget. He went, oh man, I'm so sorry that's happened to you. Every word I would say, he followed with a, mm, wow. I felt like he hung on every word I spoke. With my insurance plan, you get to pick your doctor. That day I wanted to change doctors, amen? I said, I want a new doctor. And I told the nurse, I said, I want him. And you know what she said? Get in line, honey. Get in line. She said, everyone wants him. Do you know why he's good at healing? Because he's had to suffer. He's been poked, he's been prodded, he's been wounded. Here's the good news with Jesus. You don't have to get in line. You just have to be willing to stand in line and say, Jesus, I want you. And you say, come on, come on. In the New Testament, Jesus does 37 miracles. Now people can debate, are some of these duplicated? Are they replicated? Are these the same stories told twice in a different way? But there's 37 instances where Jesus does something fantastic, something amazing. And 28 of these are healings. Some of you have missed out on the healing power of Jesus. One of the things that will blow you away if you come to Israel with me and we go to the church of the nativity, it's the place where they think Jesus was born. You will be blown away at how many Muslim women you see in the church of the nativity. Why would a Muslim woman want to go to the church of the nativity? Because there's no verse in the Quran where Muhammad does miracles and changes lives but if the Holy Spirit can impregnate a woman who's never had sex, Muslim women think, maybe there's a chance for me with my infertility. And so they flock to the church of the nativity, hoping that somehow the mere place where Jesus was born would somehow rub off on them and God would do a miracle. Isn't that amazing? Muslim women go to Jesus for healing today. And yet some of you who call yourselves Christians have never asked. Oh, you know him as Savior. You know him as Lord. He wants you to learn to call him healer because that's who he is. So God heals because he's a healer, right? That's who he is. When Tammy and I are fighting, she's like, why do you say dumb things? I go, this is who I am. <laughs> you act like I have a choice. <laughs> this is how God made me. I say dumb things. <laughs> why does God heal? who he is. It's who he is. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a miracle where a woman just touches him. And the Bible says Jesus could feel healing power leave him. He felt it. Why is that? Because it was in him. And it's in him for you. So God heals because he is healer. And number two, God heals because he has a purpose. 
He has a purpose. And so today we're gonna look at a story that wraps all three instances, one of God being the healer, the famous Isaiah, Isaiah 53, four passage, by his stripes we are healed. Matthew intricately weaves that verse into this story and we see two individuals in the midst of multiple miracles who are healed. But we get some insight as to why. Some of you, you wanna know why God doesn't heal. Today, we wanna say, God, why do you heal? We wanna know you. We wanna know what prompts you to do a miracle. We wanna know what prompts you to do something amazing. Because here's the thing, none of us in this room, none of us watching have the power to heal. Even healers borrow power. It's not theirs. So in Matthew chapter eight, verses five through 17, Jesus enters Capernaum. This is the place where he did uh, one the, the most of his miracles is the place where he, he did the most of his ministry. And Kafir in Hebrew means village. Nahum means comfort, a village of comfort. And if you go there, it's like Napa Valley in California. It's beautiful. Jesus is like, I'll go to earth, God, but I'm going to Napa, amen? He's like, you know, if I'm gonna die on the cross, I'm gonna hang out in the wine fields, amen? Jesus is no fool, you know? It's hot in the Middle East. That's why he went to Kafir Nahum, right? The city of comfort. That's where he's gonna chill. By the way, has a spa, Roman spa. It's nice. It's nice. A centurion came forward to him. Who's a centurion? A Roman official. This guy isn't even Jewish, but he's a man of power. He's a man of authority. He came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, he said, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Think about why we pray. We have a loved one that's hurting. We have a marriage that's hurting. Man, I have seen some people in our church suffer greatly. I want you to know that that matters to God. He said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Think about 2000 years ago, how bad you have to be suffering for someone to say that's terrible. Okay, the Romans hung people on a cross on purpose. This must've been something. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, he said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. I can't even get my dog to go and I can't get her to come. This guy makes people go and come. Does anybody have an animal that just has attitude? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, who's the master? I'm bribing her, here's a trick, here's a trick, let's go. <laughs> Pray for us, man. We can't, we can't even rule over our dog. Pray for us. She got sick the other day. We have wood floors everywhere in the house. Where do you think she threw up? Only in places where there was rugs because that's the kind of woman she is. She vomits where it's beautiful. It's like, come on, dog, are you the devil? Jeez. But he says, come, and he comes. And to my servant, listen, do this. And parents, he does it. What is this power? When Jesus heard this, he marveled. And then he said to us, the Christians, those who followed him, 
And then he insults us. Truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. This non-Jewish Roman soldier, the enemy has more faith than you guys. He says, truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then he says this, listen, many will come from the east and praise God, those of us in the west, and they will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Man, listen to me, some of you are far from God, but Jesus says there's a seat for you if you believe. There's a seat for you. He says, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And why is that? Because some of us who think we believe don't. And some of us who think we'll never believe will. And the centurion said to Jesus, he said, go, let it be done. And to the centurion, excuse me, Jesus said, go, let it be done. For as you have believed, it is so. And what happened? And the servant was healed at that very moment. But it's not over. Like, th this is like 10 a.m. for Jesus. <laughs> like some of our millennials, you're not even up yet. <laughs> Jesus already healed somebody. Didn't even touch him. Didn't even see him. Can you imagine you call Kaiser? I got COVID. They're like, be healed. You're like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, right? I mean, the world, right? You got to make an appointment to make an appointment. With Jesus, you just have to cry out. And he was healed at that very moment. And then Jesus entered Peter's house. Oh, he's not even done. He's not even done. And he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with fever. Now, some of you say, well, that's not a big deal. She just had a fever. You haven't had a fever. Listen, when you're an adult and you get a fever, it's bad news. Okay, when kids get a fever, you're going to church or school. That's what it is, right? <laughs> you know, kids are like, I have a fever. Okay, children get fevers. Adults, when we get a fever, it's bad news. She's probably gonna die. And for those of you like, ah, oh, no, it's just a fever. You've never had a fever. Listen to this. He touched her hand. He touched her hand and the fever left. And she rose and began to serve. He's not done. He's not done. That evening, they brought him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were sick. Can you imagine what it was like to hang out with Jesus? What's he going to do today? I don't know, but I don't want to miss it. I'm always amazed the disciples lose Jesus. How do you lose Jesus? Where is he? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably healing somebody, walking on water, feeding millions of people, right? I mean, I would have never wanted to miss a moment. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Remember that passage, Isaiah 53? Matthew quotes it. Now, it's in a translation we no longer have, but it's the translation of Isaiah 53 that he had. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. Here's the thing about Jesus he doesn't just heal your sickness, he takes your sickness upon himself. Think about the most amazing doctors in the world. They wanna cure your disease, they don't want your disease. Jesus says, I'll take it. He doesn't just heal it, he takes it. 
In order to experience a miracle today, a healing in your life, you have to believe that God can heal. Some of you have stopped believing. Maybe the reason we don't see miracles anymore, the way we want is we stop believing the way we're supposed to. Listen, listen to what the centurion said. He said, look, you just say whatever. You just say whatever, Jesus. You don't have to come to my house. You just say it. And Jesus said, go, let it be done for as you have believed. What would happen in your life? Some of you have given up on your marriage. What would happen if you stopped believing in your marriage and you started believing in Jesus? What would happen with your finances if you stopped? You're just, you're just looking at your money. There's no way this works. It never works. But in God's hands, it always works. It always works. What would happen if you just started believing Jesus for your finances? What would happen instead of just listening to the doctors, you started listening to Jesus too? What would happen in your life? I must believe that he can heal. You cannot waver. You cannot waver. You gotta believe. And we need to know that it's hard for us, even for the disciples who followed Jesus. This centurion had more faith than them. And he had merely heard about what Jesus can do. But he believed. He believed. It's amazing. I always invite Christians in our church. Oh, you got to come with me to Israel. They're always like, oh, I, I, I don't know. It's dangerous there. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It is safer there than it is here. But isn't it interesting that Muslim women don't care how dangerous it is. They go. And they go as Muslim women to a Jewish country that is concerned about Muslims coming in and out of their country. And they go anyways. Isn't it interesting that non-believers sometimes have more faith than believers? Next, I must pray that God will heal. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about this next week. Just prepare to be roasted. <laughs> but it drives me crazy that we don't ask more. Every single week at every single campus, even if you're watching online, there are people right now that are ready to pray with you. But you don't ask. You don't pray. Every single week, I feel the Spirit move. I know this Holy Spirit is calling people to be healed and people to come forward for prayer, and you don't. Why? It's embarrassing. Some of you would rather be embarrassed than, you know, or rather die than be embarrassed. You're like, no, I'll just die of cancer. I couldn't go forward for prayer. That would be awkward. Learn to ask. Listen, the centurion came forward to him appealing. This is a, listen, this is a man in authority. Jesus is a part of a race, an ethnicity that has been conquered by Rome. The centurion can demand that Jesus do anything. Do you know that? The centurion can order Jesus, not only to come to his house, but to order him to carry his stuff. That was Roman law. A Roman soldier could just walk up to you, a Jew, and just say, you carry my crap. And you had to do it. Or you could face severe consequences. This guy could have ordered Jesus, and yet he humbled himself and he asked Jesus. And some of you as believers won't even humble yourself and ask. Next, I gotta accept God's answer to my prayer. 
We believe that he can, we pray that he will, and we accept whatever he does. Listen to this, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Listen to this, so many of us as Christians, we fail to miss this point. He says, for I too am a man under authority. Let me tell you something, if you're a Christian and you're not under authority, you're not in Christ. I don't know why men struggle with this more, but most men want authority. It is a very rare man who can live under authority. But listen to me, accepting God's answer is about living under his authority. Demanding a different answer is about wanting to be an authority. Do you know how many Christians I meet? When I get to heaven, I'm gonna give God a piece of my mind. You may be getting more than a piece. Do you know what that means? We don't know who God is, and we certainly don't know who we are. We don't know. He says, I'm a man under authority. He says, Jesus, you just say it and it's done. And by the way, whatever you say, I'm gonna submit to because you're a man in authority. Remember last week we said every single prayer is answered. Every prayer is answered. Anybody says anymore, well, I, didn't, I don't pray anymore because I didn't get an answer. No, you didn't get the answer you wanted. You got an answer. Every prayer is answered with either a yes or a no or a wait. So today we're not gonna talk about no. We're not gonna talk about wait. We're gonna talk about why on earth does God say yes? Why does he say yes? Last week I was preaching this message and right when I was saying this, I was saying sometimes God says yes and we don't know why. There was a woman right over to my left while I was preaching this and I didn't know she was gonna be here. But a couple of months ago, she came up to me afterwards. It's the first time I remember meeting her. She had her teenage daughter with her. She said, my husband's been in the ICU with COVID and now he's in a coma. And she said, it's grim. She said, it's grim. She said, would you pray for my husband? Sure. Believe that he can, ask that he will, accept the results. Her husband came home the very next week. Amen? So, so after, after I was done with this message, I saw her out in the lobby. I said, you got a yes. You got a yes. And she said, I don't know why. I said, I don't either. <laughs> but you got a yes. One of the things I think that we have to deal with when we get a yes is survivor's guilt. Because not every wife's, not every wife who prayed for her husband to come home, husbands came home. So why did God arbitrarily pick you? Why did God choose to give you a miracle? I don't think it's arbitrary at all. I think that there are reasons. So in this passage, Jesus heals all kinds of people, but we only get two stories of the miracles. So lots of healings, two specific stories. I believe Matthew's trying to tell us something. Jesus specifically healed two people, a non-Jewish centurion and Peter's mother-in-law. Some of the guys are like, yeah, I don't want that miracle. I need... <laughs> I just, I want my mother-in-law to go be with the Lord. I want, her, I, want her, I want her to go far away, right? We love mother-in-laws. But let's look, at, let's look at why. Why did these two, why did these two get a miracle? So we have to leave Matthew and we have to go to Luke because Luke gives us a detail about the centurion that Matthew doesn't. 
take a look at Luke chapter seven, verses three through five. It says this, and when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. So Luke records it a little differently. Matthew says he came personally. Luke says he sent an entourage. He's a man of power. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, why the differences? Because in the ancient world, a messenger was you. It was you. So both gospels are true. And when they came to Jesus, listen, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, listen to this verse. He is worthy to have you do this for him. Let me ask you, why on earth would God give you a miracle? What is so special about the life that you're living that God would say, I need to extend this? Oh, I want more time with my kids. Who doesn't? Oh, I want more time with my wife. Who doesn't? I want to take that vacation I never took. Who doesn't? Everybody dies with regret. What makes your life so special that God intervenes and says, you need some more time? They said, Jesus, he's worthy to have you do this for him. Why? For he loves our nation. You see, he could have ruled over our nation, but he loves us. He loves us. Listen to this. He's the one who built this synagogue for us. If you come with me to Israel, you can stand in that synagogue with me. It's still there to this day. This rich guy, he built a place where we listen to you teach. You see this guy, Jesus, listen to me, he's the real deal. Can I just tell you this? We all love the people in our lives, but the truth is we don't really know the people in our lives. A couple of years ago, I had a good friend at Sandals Church and I wanted him to be on our board. He was active, he served, he was opinionated. He had a lot of ideas about what Sandals should do and shouldn't do. And so I went to our elders and I said, I want this guy on the board meeting. I, I want this guy on the board. I think he would be great for our board. And I remember the elders came to me and they went, he can't be on the board. And I was like, what? He's great. He's amazing. He gave zero financially to our church. You see everything on the outside of his life said he loved Jesus. His finances said he loved himself. You don't really know the people that tell you they love Jesus. God says that man judges by outward appearances. They look righteous, they seem good. You have no idea who they really are. That's why mamas cry when their sons are, are accused and convicted of murder, not my baby. You know what that means? She doesn't know her baby. She doesn't know her baby. Here's what the Jews are saying. This guy isn't just a show, he's the real deal. Not only will he continue to further the kingdom of God, he's actively serving the kingdom of God. What is it about your life? Why would God want to extend your life? Because you want to live more? So does everyone. So do the 55 million people a year that die. Let's take a look at Peter's mother-in-law. She gets a miracle, listen to this. Matthew tells us she rose and began to serve. Like if it was me, I'd have been, yeah, she says nothing. She just, oh. 
does what? Goes right back to what she'd always done, which is serve the Lord. What great faith must Peter's mother-in-law had? So Peter, you're gonna quit your job. Uh, the job that's been handed to you, the job that puts food on the table for my little grandbabies. And you're gonna follow who? This guy with no job? This guy with no house? This guy, like every time he goes to Jerusalem, he's always in trouble with the police. That's who you're gonna follow? That's, that's who you're gonna leave everything for? And yet, what does it say that she did? She supported him. She supported him. What's amazing is they think they know exactly where this house was. And there's a Catholic church built on top of it and the entire floor is glass. And you can look down into the room where this miracle probably took place. See, some of you guys, you think, oh, it's all a bunch of made up stuff. Yep, and they keep finding the places where these things happened. You wanna know why? Because they happened. Next, they had crazy faith. They had crazy faith. Like they believe. When Jesus heard this guy, he marveled and said to all who followed him, I'm telling you, no one in Israel believes like this guy. No one. He looks at me, he's like, eh. He looks at you, he's like, ah. This guy, he's like, whoa. Whoa. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. What are you missing? What are you missing? You don't need to believe that Jesus will. You need to believe that Jesus can. That's it. That's all that it takes. That's all that it takes. I was listening to a debate the other day between a, a, a Christian apologist and an atheist, and they're arguing over the existence of the world, the existence of creation. And here's, here's what the Christian apologist said. He says, how on earth that you, is it that you believe that nothing with no power can create a universe and sustain it? He said, I believe that there's something more powerful, something more permanent, something eternal that speaks and it stays. Let me tell you something, the one who is eternal, the one who spoke, the one who always existed. He doesn't exist in time, he created time so that you and I could exist. That God is Jesus and he's speaking to you and he's saying, just believe that I can. Jesus says yes to healing for three reasons. Three reasons. Number one, because of your faith. Remember last week we talked, a father whose son suffered from seizures, demonic possession, who threw himself into fire, into water. This demon was constantly trying to burn his son, drowned his son. He brought him to the 12, to the nine disciples and he said, heal him and they couldn't. You remember that? Matthew records the same story. Jesus is recorded in, in last week's message in Mark that they could not heal him because they didn't pray. Matthew records it this way, that Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But let me tell you something, your faith will not move mountains until it first moves you. And for some of you, you haven't been to church in years. It's time to move and come back. The Alpha and the Omega is greater than Omicron. 
I remember a couple months ago when Delta was the rage. Remember back then? The good old days with Delta. And I called a pastor friend of mine who got Delta, and I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not afraid of Delta. He said, because I know Alpha. And he's fine. Apparently he had faith. I didn't have faith, I was sicker than a dog. <laughs> he's one of those guys, right, that he just get the snivel, you know. Some people got COVID, tooted, and that was it. <laughs> not me. I'm precious. I'm fragile. <laughs> so Jesus says, yes to healing because of your faith. You ever heard somebody pray with faith? It'll rock your world. You know why somebody prays with faith? Not because they know what's going to happen, but because they know who's listening. You see, you've lost your faith because you've forgotten who listens. Next. Jesus does a miracle to build our faith. Remember last week's miracle? Immediately the father cried out. He said, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. Remember that? He says, help my unbelief. Sometimes God just does a miracle to remind us I'm still here. To grow us, to take us to the next level. Man, a lot of us have lived blessed lives. My wife has lived a challenging life. She's had things happen to her as a child that I, I, I've worked so hard to keep from happening to my children, and that was her reality. Many of you who attend our church, you know her story. And it's just brutal, and it's terrible, and it's awful. Then we got married. She, she committed to becoming a, a pastor's wife, and her dad got cancer and died when my wife was 26 years old. It's so weird to me now because I have a daughter that's 25. And I can't imagine only having a few more months with Madison. But that's what my wife had with her dad. A couple of years ago, right before COVID happened, we were in Boston and we got a phone call. That Tammy's mother, she'd been gaining weight. Her skin was changing colors. She'd gone to the hospital for a checkup and she never left. And we came home. And she was at Loma Linda. And for those of you who are far away, you don't know what Loma Linda is, but it's one of the, it's, it's where they send the sickest of the sick here in Southern California. And we got to Loma Linda and here's what the doctor said to us, said to my wife. He said, your mom is the sickest person in the entire hospital. And she needs a liver transplant. She's over 70. She's in poor health. She's a cancer survivor. That's three strikes. No, no, no. You need to prepare for her to pass. You know, I just shared that information with our church. We had somebody at one of our campuses who's the head of the transplant list. I shared that. He got involved. She had a transplant two days later. Listen to me, and she's still with us today. Why, why? Because my wife needed to be reminded I'm still here. Some of you, Jesus is saying, you've heard enough. You've heard enough. We have such different lives, man. Like I was, I was in my 40s before I lost a grandparent. Like my family are Baptists. They live forever, <laughs> forever. And they're not happy about it, right? 
I'm not kidding you. Well, my grandma, my grandma's like, I don't know what's wrong with the Lord. He won't take me. She said, what is, Matt, what is he trying to teach me? I'm like, that you're not God? Right? But the Lord had to remind my wife that I hear your prayers and I'm gonna answer this to build your faith. Help my unbelief. You know, the Lord could do a miracle to help your unbelief. But he won't answer a prayer you don't ask. Next. So the Lord does miracles because of your faith. He does miracles to build your faith. And listen to me. He does miracles to lead others to faith. One of the strangest miracles that occurred to me this last year was when I prayed with an individual on Zoom. They were in the ICU. They'd crashed three times. And the doctor said, if it happens again, we're gonna put you in a coma because we, can't, we cannot have you moving around with your oxygen levels with what they're at. This guy's not a Christian. And yet he's FaceTiming with a pastor. And I prayed to the God he did not believe in. And I asked for a miracle. And he did not go into a coma. He went home and was with his wife and family two days later. And he asked the doctor, and the doctor's like, got nothing. I got something. His name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We care about longevity. We want more time with our spouse, more time with our kids, more time with our grandkids. That's our concern. Jesus cares about eternity. We want to live long lives with the people we love. Jesus wants, wants people to live with him forever because of his love. It's very different. It's very different. So when God does a miracle, it is always to do one of three things. It is a response to great faith. It is to build some weak faith. Amen. Come on, that's me. That's you. Or, or it's to lead someone to faith. But understand this, it is never about the physical healing. It is always about, about spiritual healing. Amen. That's why God does what he does. Listen, if you got a yes, look and say, okay, God, was it my faith? And you're like, no, that's easy. Was it to build my faith? Maybe. Was it to lead somebody else to faith? Possibly. And then use these stories to tell people not just about Jesus, your savior, but to tell people about Jesus, your healer. Because that is how we're gonna lead the world to Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we pray to you, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And we ask in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that you would move. If there's somebody here today that needs prayer for a miracle, I pray that they would come forward and pray. God, we don't know what you're going to do, but we know what you can do. And that is where our faith lies. God, move in our church, stir in our church, Lord, so that we would see you as healer. And we would not see miracles as something apart or divorced from your plan, but something that is essential to your plan. God, help us to see you as healer, to call upon you as healer. We pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen.